Welcome to Off The Grid Radio. Better ideas to bust you and your family out of today's global control grid. Now, here's today's show. Hi, welcome to another edition of Off The Grid Radio. I'm Michael Faust of OffGridNews.com. Today's guest is Peter Vincent Pry, who is Executive Director of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security. He served in the the Congressional EMP Commission, the Congressional Strategic Posture Commission, the House Armed Services Committee, and the CIA. He is also author of the book, Blackout Wars. Mr. Pry, welcome to the program. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. You wrote a very informative article for Newsmax in February. It was titled, The Left Continues to downplay EMP threat. Um, in that article, for those who, for those folks who haven't seen it, you critiqued an article from Geopolitical's Futures, uh, which is a widely read website, and the geopoliticalfutures.com website downplayed the danger of an EMP threat. I'm just curious, why did you feel the need to respond to this Geopolitical uh, Futures article? Well, because it's uh, disinforming public opinion, it was so. Uh, it's widely read by uh, influential people, geopolitical futures. And in fact, it was brought to my attention by uh, uh, former Vice Admiral Robert Monroe, who had been the director of the Defense Nuclear Agency, mm-hmm. and uh, he wanted me to respond to it. And I do have make a habit of, uh, I don't have the time to rebut all of these uh, non-experts when they write, uh, but the un- fact of the matter is, people who are real experts on EMP are outnumbered in the press uh, and uh, in the policy world by thousands to one, by people who don't know anything about EMP. And uh, 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 so I feel that having been the chief of staff of the Congressional EMP Commission, I've got an obligation. Uh, When I can, I can't always do it. Uh, but particularly if it's a high-profile article, as the Geopolitical Futures article was, try to go out there and correct the record and give people the facts. Uh, it's I don't want people to get the impression that there's some kind of a uh, legitimate scientific disagreement uh, about EMP being an existential threat, because that's not the situation. People... For example, I've, uh, you know, whoever wrote the Geopolitical Futures article, I believe it was written anonymously, clearly didn't understand. Was uh, 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 pretending to uh, to uh, to be an authority, pretending to be an expert, but he made you know many uh, factual errors of analysis and logic in the article, and um, you know, uh, yeah, so I, I try to I try to bring those out when uh, you know. Uh, whenever, uh, because it's a crucial matter of public policy. Let's talk about one of the facts that they get wrong. And I'm going to read from the from the from your article, which is which is um, rebutting uh, the geopolitical futures article. You write uh, the following: contrary, contrary to the author, the short wavelength E1 EMP, not the long wavelength E3 EMP, is the more dangerous and damaging form of EMP as it can destroy small electronics such as computers, cause cars to stall, make airplanes fall out of the sky, and cause more widespread and deeper damage to the electric power grid and other critical infrastructures than an E3 EMP. I guess I'm just wanting you to, if you could tell us the difference between an E1 EMP and an E3 EMP. Sure. That was one of his first fundamental mistakes, that uh, uh, that he thought the E3 EMP 
was the more important of the two phenomena. Uh, the E3MP is caused by the fireball of a nuclear explosion, or it can be caused by nature, by a coronal mass ejection or solar flare striking the Earth's magnetosphere. And in either case, uh, you know, basically, the uh, fireball causes the magnetosphere to oscillate, as would the solar flare from the sun. It causes it to oscillate. And it generates a long wavelength EMP, very long wavelength, that uh, it requires in order to couple with something that has a dimension close to the top or long. And so that's what, so it won't affect airplanes, it won't affect automobiles, it wouldn't affect the personal computer on your desk, uh, but it would get into power lines, pipelines, communications lines, uh, it'll couple into railroad tracks, and it can indirectly damage uh, uh, smaller objects if they're if they're plugged into the power line, for example. Sure. And it would follow follow the power line and then, you know, and then get into the uh, get into the house, and uh, the uh, the energy that's in a long wavelength E three EMP uh, is not nearly as impressive as that in an E one EMP. It's typically. Uh, uh, for a nuclear weapon, for example, you know, it might be on the order of 30 volts, 30 volts per kilometer. And uh, that wouldn't do very much if you were just talking about a kilometer, uh, one kilometer. But because there's thousands of kilometers in the power grid, you know, the E3MP can build up to huge energies, uh, enough to melt a an extra high voltage transformer that might carry 750,000 volts, for example, and that's how it does its damage. Now, I'm, and and so this is a serious threat, you know, but it's not as serious a threat as the E1 EMP, which, in the case of a super EMP weapon, could be 200,000 volts per meter, not per kilometer, but per meter. So if you've got a cord coming off of your personal computer that's one meter long, for example, that would have 200,000 volts injected into it in a nanosecond. Uh, even for nuclear weapons of normal design, low-yield nuclear weapons, primitive ones, like uh, the Hiroshima bomb, for example, uh, you know, that's going to generate thousands of volts per meter, you know, out on the horizon of the, of the effect. So, an automobile, for example, that might be four meters long, you know, would have uh, uh, 12,000 volts uh, injected into it in a nanosecond from uh, even a primitive bomb, such as terrorist might hmm. design. And so you're talking about, you know, much higher energies from the E1EMP uh, over much shorter antennae, one meter versus an entire kilometer. And so it can get into much smaller things and do a lot of damage. And, uh, and by the way, it would also open the pathway. Uh, for example, the E1EMP can damage things like lightning, uh, surge arresters that, that are designed for protecting against lightning, and uh, open a pathway for damage by E2 and E3EMP that, that come after it because it's, uh, because they're small, because it's uh, slower. And, 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 and so uh, you, you were mentioning earlier that the E1 and E3EMPs can both be caused by a nuclear weapon, but I'm still, just for, so our listeners can understand the difference, you were saying a fireball uh, could cause the E3, but what specifically causes the E1 from the, the nuclear yeah, explosion? Yeah, it's a different phenomenon, and it's uh, unique to nuclear weapons. Nature doesn't cause it. It's the gamma rays that come out. 
of the uh, uh, of the bomb. What happens is that the gamma rays will strike uh, electron, uh, uh, strike oxygen molecules, nitrogen molecules high in the atmosphere and knock electrons off of them, and then the electrons rotate at close to the speed of light, following the Earth's lines of mag- uh, of magnetism. And, uh, and it's these very rapidly rotating electrons that causes the very intense, powerful E1 EMP field, not the fireball. And, uh, and this is happening almost immediately upon the detonation of the weapon. So it's caused by a, the E1 EMP is caused by a different phenomena. And, um, and, uh, uh, that's, and that's why it's uh, so much more powerful than the E3 and very different. From the E3, yeah, uh, that, that makes sense. It's kind of a it's kind of a technical thing that I just wanted to get out of the way. So you're saying that an E1 EMP, and I'm assuming that's the kind that a, a terrorist could deliver, or North Korea, or someone could deliver, would have an impact on cars, computers, and airplanes. Indeed, uh, uh, the the super EMP weapon, you know, which is a weapon specialized for uh, for for an EMP attack, actually focuses on making the E1 EMP, because it's the more dangerous of the two phenomena. A super EMP weapon would be very low yield, uh, might even be less than the yield of a Hiroshima bomb, could be one to three kilotons, like the North Korean, like the early North Korean tests, because it's not designed to make a big explosion to make E3 EMP. It's designed to put out a extremely intense, rapid burst of gamma rays, which is what creates the E1 EMP. And as a consequence, it will it would it would create really only E1 EMP, but the fields will be so intense, like up to 200,000 volts per meter. Uh, you know that this is a stronger EMP field that you could get from a nuclear weapon uh, of conventional design, even though it has a very high yield, like a 25 megaton bomb, you know, 25 megaton warhead, you know, which is the most powerful weapon during the Cold War. The Soviets had, and they had dedicated that to the EMP effect before they came up with the super. You know, can only generate fifty thousand volts per meter versus two hundred thousand volts per meter for a weapon that's only one to three kilotons in yield. Yeah, and, and you were and you were saying uh, in your article in the in the Newsmax article that the Soviet test actually did destroy electric grids. Is, is that oh, yes. right? Six times. Wh- when was that uh, test? Was that? That was uh, from uh, 1960 to 61. They okay. were uh, they did a series of uh, they first discovered the EMP phenomena uh, during their tests over Novaya Zemlya in the far north, an island in the Arctic Ocean. Uh, you know because it caused uh, black uh, blackouts in Murmansk and Archangel, their nuclear submarine bases and cities that are located in the high northern area. So they discovered it as we did by accident. But then. Before the uh, atmospheric test ban treaty went into effect, the last tests they did, you know, uh, they did a series of six dedicated EMP tests over Kazakhstan, which is part of the Soviet Union, and uh, and 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 knocked out the electric grid. Kazakhstan at the time was, you know, heavily industrialized, had an electric grid, and it is about as big as all of Western Europe. And they destroyed it six times with different weapons of different design, uh, you know, uh, uh, to collect the best data. They, they wired up all of Kazakhstan with sensors 
you know, to get the best possible readings. And as a consequence, you know, they, they the Soviet Russians, ended up with the best data in the world on, uh, on the EMP phenomena. And uh, we, didn't, we didn't know what they were up to, uh, which is why we did the Starfish Prime test at high altitude. You know, people describe it as an EMP test, but we didn't know EMP would result from it. We just knew that the Russians were doing something with these high-altitude tests, and we didn't know what. And uh, 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 then we found out afterwards, you know, my boss on the EMP commission, Dr. Graham, was on the science, defense science team that went out to investigate why we let lights get knocked out in Hawaii, you know, from this high-altitude test and discovered the EMP phenomena. Wow, but it was that, the last test before the Comprehensive Test Ban Treaty went into effect. And so, um, you know, they ended up with a much bigger database than we did, you know, but we know for a fact, you know, from what the Russians did, you know, they what they do is they basically burned down Kazakhstan then rapidly rebuilt it and they did another test, and they did that six times. And um, between our experience and their experience, it kind of proved that you can really use any kind of a weapon you know, detonated above 30 kilometers, and it's going to inflect an EMP catastrophe, uh, you know, over huge surface of the Earth. Fascinating. That's, that's probably news to a lot of our readers. I don't, I don't think uh, we've reported on that before, so you're saying, interestingly, that, that uh, the Soviets had tested an EMP, and, and it actually proved to be uh, destructive. Uh, Mr. Pry, let, yeah, let's, let's take a quick break real, real quick. When we return, we will continue our discussion with Peter Vincent Pry, Executive Director of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security. We'll be right back. Finally in the news this evening, it's being reported that cyber spies from Russia and China have now penetrated our power grid. Even as energy experts are reporting that each summer we get closer and closer to the limits of our nation's power grid, some say that this summer's demand for electrical power may finally push the grid over its edge, creating a cascade of power outages across the country, putting us all in the dark. Are you prepared for the next round of storm-related outages or government-created blackouts? Have you ever thought about taking steps to get off the grid and generate your own private supply of electrical power? If so, this will be the most important information you have ever heard. Solar-powered generators are finally available. They have no moving parts to wear out or break and require absolutely no gas whatsoever. Remember, the government doesn't own the sun. So go to MySolarBackup.com. That's MySolarBackup.com. Check out MySolarBackup.com before you lose your power. Off the Grid News, because you want a different paradigm. Mr. Pride, let's let's talk. Let's uh, switch subjects now and talk about this um, uh, speech. This March one speech by Vladimir Putin, in, in which uh, he pretty much proclaimed nuclear superiority. Uh, that got a lot of attention over here. Of course, what's the significance of that to uh, to world uh, the world balance? Well, he's, uh, uh, the significance of it is that he's basically trying to change the world order you know, by putting us on notice that he has, for the first time, even in the Cold War, Russia had never achieved the kind of preponderance over us that it has technologically and in numbers of nuclear weapons. And they're even trying to further advance uh, their 
uh, that further with these super weapons, which he publicly described. Uh, and the object is to undermine, to so intimidate us that we may be unwilling to confront Russia in any and and uh, and uh, and to undermine the confidence of our allies in NATO and, the, and in the Pacific of our security guarantees to them. You know, how can they have confidence in the security guarantees of the United States when Russia can defeat us, according to Vladimir Putin, at the highest level of military escalation, the nuclear level, where they would be able to fight and win a nuclear war against us? And Russia, this is a credible claim that Russia has made, sad to say, you know, because we have allowed our nuclear deterrent to so deteriorate uh, you know, we're using nuclear weapons now that are decades old in their design. They've been patched together. You know, every year the labs patch them together. You know, we're not even, we haven't tested. We're not even sure they'll work anymore. And those delivery vehicles that we have, the bombers, the ICBMs, the ballistic missile submarines, are older than the people who are actually, you know, in, in charge of them. Uh, they, too, are, uh, you know, we've patched them together and keep them flying. Things like the B-52s, you know, you know, some of which actually do date back to the 1950s. And uh, uh, in contrast to the Russian nuclear weapons and delivery systems and the Chinese and the North Korean, by the way, all of which are newer, more modern than ours, the Russians are particularly worrisome because in addition to having a modern nuclear arsenal, which greatly outnumbers ours. You know, we dismantled our tactical nuclear weapons. We only have 200 of them left. They've still got thousands of tactical nuclear weapons, which means for the first time in the, in the nuclear relationship between Moscow and Washington, they actually have a numerical superiority of at least 3 to 1, and it could be as much as 10 to 1 in terms of the nuclear weapons. In terms of the modernity, they're way ahead of us. They've got New generation nuclear weapons, which includes things like the super EMP weapon I was describing, we don't have anything like that in our inventory. They also have clean battlefield nuclear weapons that are are almost pure fusion, so they create no fallout, and uh, but they're low enough yield so they can be used like a very powerful conventional weapon on the battlefield. X-ray weapons and neutron warheads that can be used for uh, uh, very effective anti-missile and anti-aircraft defense. Again, we have no counterparts to these new advanced generation nuclear weapons. And he's rattling the the uh, the object isn't to get into a nuclear war. The, the object of having nuclear, nuclear weapons are strategic weapons because they enable you to win war without war. Now, he's putting us on notice that if he has to, and you know, there's a conflict with the United States, that he will win through nuclear war if he has to. But Russia's hope is that they can uh, defeat us just through the sh uh, by uh, uh, raising the stakes so high that we will not be willing to uphold our security guarantees. You can see deterrence is actually already failing. Uh, it's already failing. You know, uh, Russia seized C Crimea, and it's, and it's crucifying Ukraine every day, uh, which, despite the Budapest, uh, the Budapest Agreement, under which the United States had guaranteed Ukraine's borders for coming up for surrendering its thousands of nuclear weapons, uh, you know, which shows that's a state every day, the NATO, the crucifixion of Ukraine, that our security guarantees are worthless. 
China is not intimidated. They have seized vital trade routes through the South China Sea illegally, even though the international courts have ruled that their presence there is illegal. They're just ignoring it. And, and this artery uh, is one of the most important in the world. It controls all the trade to our Pacific allies and to North and South America. And China has its foot on that artery. And now we also have North Korea, even North Korea, making regular threats to attack the United States. And they have managed to coerce a U.S. president, a sitting U.S. president for the first time, to agree to sit down with the North Korean dictator to negotiate what is surely going to be, you know, a bogus uh, denuclearization uh, talks. That's what they're being sold as, uh, to talk about North Korea's denuclearization. I, I predict in a, an article I published recently called Buying the Brooklyn Bridge from North Korea that like all the other negotiations we've entered into, this is just going to be, uh, these negotiations will fail, and they will fail in a worse way even than the past negotiations, because what North Korea is doing, I believe, is buying time, it's buying time so that they can produce enough mobile ICBMs so that it won't be safe for us to attempt a disarming strike against them anymore. Uh, we'll have to learn to live with a nuclear North Korea the way Susan Rice wants us to and accept a mutual assured destruction relationship with North Korea because the military option will be no longer feasible. It will be off the table. And I believe that in the long run that will be fatal for tens of millions of Americans because mutual assured destruction was never a good idea. It often came very close to failure during the Cold War. And Kim Jong-un is Caligula with nuclear weapons. You know, this guy, sooner or later, is going to decide to strike us. And so you're hoping that the president uh, and his administration changes changes their minds and uh, does not go along with this, then. Is that what your hope is? I, yes. I, I think it's probably too late to hope that he won't meet with them. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's already committed to doing that. But I'm hoping he will change his mind about having no preconditions in my article I asked the president to at least make Kim Jong-un prove his sincerity and buy, uh, buy the privilege of meeting with a sitting U.S. president by making some significant gesture of denuclearization, like dismantling the away ICBM, before he actually uh, sits down with him, so that they will have done something to roll back uh, the uh, arsenal. If, if, we were, if we got him to dismantle the away you know, that's their most numerous, it's their, it's their oldest ICBM. And so uh, it's not been tested. So it's not a big ask in terms of ha- getting them to give it up, all right? Uh, but it's their most numerous ICBM. And it would, it would position us, uh, if they took those things, if they dismantled those, uh, you know, it would be harder for North Korea to replace them, okay? It would give us more time to, uh, to still have the military option of, of, of taking out his, uh, uh, his nuclear threat, which we could do conventionally. With, if we wanted to do it right now, I believe we could do it in a matter of three hours with three aircraft carrier groups. And if, and if, we, if, and if President Trump got them to give up the can away, it would keep that option alive for a while longer. Hmm. Mr. Pryor, our, our time is about up. Is there anything else you wanted to tell us about before we let you go? I think that uh, is enough depressing news probably for one uh, Monday <laughs> evening. So I, uh, I thank you for having me, and uh, 
thank you, thank you, know. you, thank you so much. Let me tell everybody about your book. Your book is uh, Blackout Wars. Uh, it's worth getting on uh, Amazon. I guess that's where people can buy it. And yes. uh, his name is Peter Vincent Pry, Executive Director of the Task Force on National and Homeland Security and one of the nation's foremost experts on EMP and threats to America. Mr. Pry, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I want to remind everybody that they can visit offthegridnews.com for the best homesteading, off-grid, and survival features they will find anywhere. We're also on Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Keywords are off the grid news. With engineer Gavin Wright, this has been Michael Faust. Please join us again next week for another edition of Off the Grid Radio. Mm-hmm.